Hi, welcome to Three Stars. This is a podcast where three stars talk about movies and try to give it at least three stars. We're joined by our three stars, Zareen. May the fourth be with you. Megan. Hi. And then myself, Jared. And then actually, we have another star, our fourth star for our three-star podcast featuring Willis. Hi, Willis. Hello. Willis, go ahead and give a, introduce yourself to, to our listeners. Hi, I'm Willis. Uh, I am I'm a, a friend of Megan's. We are we're teachers together, and Megan has been talking about three stars uh, with me for a long time. And uh, I was very excited when uh, when she invited me to join. So I'm very happy to be here today with you all. Awesome, thank you. And then uh, before we start talking about our pod, we'd love to get. We love the listener and also for us to get to know you a bit more. So we just asked two things. First thing is how you got into film. And I guess this may bleed into the next one. What are some of your, or maybe you have one, but favorite movies and why? I've been, I've been watching movies since, ever since I can remember. I, you know, I don't know the first movie that I watched, but, um, you know, I watched, I watched a lot of movies as a kid. I didn't start really... Um, digging deeper in them or thinking deeply about them in any kind of critical way until I got into college. Um, so I studied English literature um, for for undergrad, and yeah, I just had a really uh, deep kind of kind of deep passion for literature after reading some really good books and um, film. You know, I think a film is just a, another another medium, another form of literature. Um, so that um, that definitely led me into uh, into thinking about it in a critical way. Um, I also got really into uh, discount movie Tuesdays at uh, the movie theater in the town that I grew up. So there were six dollar movie tickets every Tuesday. So I would go. Um, go to the movies every Tuesday, and that was when I started going to the movies uh, by myself, which I always found to be just really, uh, really relaxing and uh, really pleasant. It was always a really great way to blow off steam. Um, and it was, it was ultimately just a really great form of uh, escapism. Like I feel like anytime I am feeling like stressed or overwhelmed with life and the world and all the crazy things going on um i could always just i turn on a movie and uh kind of completely check out for a couple hours and um and just kind of get a break from the world um and i think um sitting down and watching a movie and uh more specifically going to the movie right uh, mm -hmm. is, is is kind of the best that i've found for just like completely cutting the world off for a little bit and just like enjoying myself um oh nice. so that's like that's like the that that's that's one of the reasons why i i really love films and why i keep coming back to them um and i also like um i like 
it, it helps me connect with others, right? Um, yeah. Films are, are big. Uh, um, they're, they're very, very uh, culturally and, you know, usually people are seeing movies or watching movies. You know, some mm. people watch them once a month, some people once a week, some people watch them once a year, but everyone's seen a mo- some kind of movie kind of recently. And anytime I've seen a movie that someone else has seen, um, it's always a great way to connect with them, just to talk about it with them. Um, and so, I don't know, I, I, I really enjoy just talking to people about movies. I feel like it's a, it's a really um, nice gateway into forming a, a connection with someone. So that's how I got into Nicely films. And, and that's, that's why I like them. Um, and uh, some of my some of my favorite films. So one of the first uh, films that I saw that really just took my breath away um, was Arrival, directed by Yeah, that was uh, we, we, we watched saw, that for Movie yeah. Club before yeah, before, uh, before this thing become a became a podcast. <laughs> okay, nice, nice. Yeah, so that movie. I mean. I mean, you you all know you you watched it. I I don't I don't know how you felt about it, but um, the movie is just so breathtaking in in so many ways. I mean, just the the cinematography and the music and um, the, like really great uplifting twist at the end um, was just. I, I mean, I was just totally blown away by it, um, and I I'd, I'd never really felt that way. Um, I'd, I'd never really felt quite that way uh, after after watching a, a good. Yeah, movie. it's truly it's, it's truly heartbreaking, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But in yeah, in in a in a in I always I always found it as a, um, like ultimately the ending was very optimistic for me, but in in a sort of heartbreaking way. Mm-hmm, so for sure, there was there was a, a it, was, it was kind of dialectical in that sense. Um, so yeah, uh, loved loved Arrival. Uh, one of my favorite movies is definitely Clueless. Um, yeah, I I, uh, I watched that film for the first time in uh, it had to have been twenty twenty. Yeah, it was during the pandemic. Uh, but I watched it for a film class that I took in college. And, oh, nice. Um, I absolutely loved it, and it was it's a it's an adaptation of a. A Jane Austen novel, um, the Jane Austen novel Emma, which is one of my favorite books ever. So, and I thought it was, even though it was a you know like a modern take on Emma, it was uh, was actually shockingly loyal to the original text. So I was pleasantly surprised by that. Um, so yeah, I love Clueless. Um, anything by Barry Jenkins, right? Moonlight and If Beale Street Could Talk are some of the most incredible films I've ever seen. Um, also in the middle of watching the Underground Railroad, which is his series on mm-hmm. um, Amazon, um, and that is I'm, I've only watched the first two episodes, but it's really good so far. And uh, of course, I'm a big Ari Aster fan. Um, I love, love, love Midsummer, um, and I I did really enjoy I Was Afraid, which I saw a couple of weeks ago. Um, not sure that I feel as strongly about Bo's Afraid as I, f- I felt about Midsummer when I first saw it. But um, yeah, those are those are some of my favorites. 
Um, I'm sure I have more, but those are the ones that I can think of right now. Um, but yeah. Nice. nice. Well, welcome to Three Stars, Willis. I think that's like a perfect segue into what we're currently watching, since you mentioned that you watched Bo is Afraid. Um, so, Jared, Zoon, do you want to share what you're currently watching since the last time we all talked? Yeah, I can go first, and then Zareen can go. So, uh, this past month, I checked out Super Mario Bros. It's alright. It's a very safe movie. It's whatever. Then I watched Fast Times at Ridgemont High, a classic amongst my uh, 50-year-old wasp uh, co-workers. <laughs> <laughs> so, when I told, when I, I'll, I'll tell you this. When I told them they watched it, they like were very keen on talking to me about it. And, <laughs> yes. Um, so that was interesting. What, what do you say about Fast Times? How do you I feel? mean, they're just talking about the... It was more so just like a nostalgia dive for them. Um, just talking about the characters and then when they watched it. It was interesting. And, and it's like it's like what you said too, Willis. That's why I like, I like movies because like it's cool how people can interpret like talking about a specific film for them for instance like a lot of the films i watch i can tell you where i watched it so it was cool to see them be like oh yeah i remember when i was x years old i watched it whatever and i'm like yeah that's cool like this movie is like forever in the realm of like film history and like it's gonna stay there forever and i'm i watched it in 2023 whereas they watched it when it came out like in 1982 right so i i just think it's like it's kind of cool how we're still somewhat connected through this movie and we find just different paths just talking about it but yeah they just mainly talked about when when they watched it and stuff um but i watched that i watched uh rye lane which is a which is kind of like a i guess like a before trilogy for for black people in for for young black people in london in particular so that was interesting I watched How to Blow Up a Pipeline. Disappointed that I didn't, I didn't love it as much as I wanted to, but I still thought it was like a good time. Watched Suzume, which was really good. Um, watched Bo's Afraid, which I um, I have no opinion about. Uh, yeah, I have no opinion about that movie. And then uh, the last thing I watched was Dungeons and Dragons, which was a very fun time. And... Um, on the TV side, I've just been keep, keeping up with Succession. However, I did not watch the last episode this past Sunday. But that's what I've been watching. Uh, Zareen, what you've been watching? Watched a lot of bangers this month. Um, I just watched Polite <laughs> Society, which just came out this past weekend. And it is so freaking good. Everyone has to go watch it. I absolutely loved it. Um, the director is Nida Munzur, who also made... The TV show We Are Lady Parts, which I absolutely loved. Um, so I'm like really, really excited that she's killing it and she's coming out with so much great stuff. Um, and then Megan and I uh, went to the SF Film Festival and we watched Past Lives, I which I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> we are holding this over Jared because he really wants to watch it and we got to watch it before him. So This is like the everything everywhere all at once this year. I'm just, I, I just, they, they watch it before me and I just know I'm just going to give it five stars. Like it doesn't even matter. <laughs> like just let me watch it. Yeah. I mean, it's a very different energy from everything everywhere. Um, yeah. It's a lot like quieter movie, but 
but it was it was really really good. And then I also watched Suzume, um, like Jared. And then on the TV side, um, my Sunday nights are completely filled because there's Succession, Barry, and Yellow Jackets are all in that mm-hmm. Sunday night prime time slot. And um, I, I've been following Barry and Succession from before, but I just started watching Yellow Jackets and I like binged all of it to catch up to the current season in like a week or so. And I am thoroughly obsessed with this show. It's so freaky, but it's so good. So yeah, that's me. Um, Megan, how about you? I'm sorry I stole your thunder with Past Lives, but... <laughs> it's okay. I did watch Past Lives with Zareen at the Kasher Theater. I hate you. Um, <laughs> and I would highly recommend to people that they watch it when it, go- when it comes out. It did premiere at Sundance and only in person because Sundance... Um, the film festival does offer like online, um, like so services. Did, uh, so did Polite Society. It premiered in competition. Oh, awesome! Yeah. Um, and yeah, I am interested in watching Polite Society. I know that it's streaming. I'm not streaming. Sorry. I know it's gonna it's showing at the Alamo. Um, but to to be honest, I've been really busy, so it's been a quiet month. And I just passed lives, and then I've watched a couple episodes of the third season of Ted Lasso. I'm not caught up, but I love that show. Um, and then I watched, um, there <clears throat> was like a special screening of Spirited Away. Like the, they did a musical adaptation in Japan and they filmed it. And so I watched that like on the screen and that was actually super cool. And just to kind of see how they brought all those like creative and like imaginary elements to the actual stage. Um, So that was actually super awesome to see on screen. But yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I went to, uh, I went to the the SF symphony, but it wasn't, um, wasn't in the actual symphony building. It was in like a building next to the symphony building i went to this event called in conversation with barry jenkins and nicholas Bertel. whoa um, nicholas uh, Bertel. <laughs> yes yeah yeah famous for his work Six, with barry jenkins yeah. and for succession the succession this is the the genius behind the succession score um and he did like andor and a bunch of other things i mean he's yeah, he's good. He's, he's so good employed. He's so employed. Yeah. Um, he's he's incredible. Um, so yeah, it was a they did a they did a, um, this event where they played uh, the score for each of the projects they've done together, which is pretty much everything that Barry Jenkins has done. Um, so it was broken up into three sections. First section was uh, Moonlight, which they did together. Um, second section, they did Underground Railroad, which was actually their third project together. Um, but they did that second, and and they did uh, If Beale Street Could Talk, um, and um, and yeah, that was amazing. Uh, I also other things I've been watching. So I mentioned uh, I watched I Was Afraid, which I I enjoyed a lot. Um, but I also feel a little confused by as well, Jared. So you're not alone on that. 
Um, <laughs> I, I saw I saw Renfield. Nick Cage <laughs> was Nick Cage was delightful. Uh, everything else about it was pretty bad, and there was very little uh, Nick Cage in it. So uh, there's that. Yeah, I also sucks. saw what was that? That sucks. There's not a lot of Nick Cage in it. What's the point of like that sucks? Oh, I know. I yeah. They they did a lot of things wrong <laughs> with that movie. A lot a lot of wasted potential there for sure. Um, I saw. I did. I also saw How to Blow Up a Pipeline, um, which I I. I did enjoy a lot. I actually had a really good time watching watching that. Um, I saw Air too, which was. Oh uh, yeah, you are the only one who's seen Air out of the four of us. Considering yeah. I guess it's a bigger movie that's out, if you will. Forgot about that movie. It's forgettable. I would say it felt like it. Uh, <laughs> it felt like a, a really long Nike ad. Um, but it was, uh, it was good. I enjoy, I enjoyed myself. Um, it, I felt like maybe it should have come out like 15 years ago. Um, but it's out now and, you know, I don't know if you're into, and, and if you're, if you're like a, a big sneaker head, you'd probably be really into it. Um, but, uh, I wasn't, I wasn't crazy about it. Um, as far as TV, I am also watching Succession and loving every second of it. Jared, I'm so sad to hear that you did not watch last week's episode yet because it was insane. Um, okay, okay. That's the first. I got to watch it now. <laughs> well, let me know when you do because I'd love to talk about it. Because uh, sidebar, sidebar, spoiler, I was spoiled for one of the biggest episodes this oh, yeah. past for Succession, I don't know if you heard Willis. Was it yes. episode three? It was. Yeah. Yes, it was. Yes. It was the. It was the marriage. <laughs> it, it was the. It was the wedding. The wedding. Episode. Connor's yes. wedding. Yes. I was spoiled, <laughs> and this is why I don't watch TV. For what it's worth, I was also spoiled, Jared, yes. but it still hit me like a brick. I was. So that was one mad. of the. That was one of those episodes of TV that. You just like if you, you've seen it yet, you just could not go on the internet. I mean, yeah, like everyone was talking about it. The LA LA Times published, uh, and well, I don't want to. Yeah, am I, am yeah. I allowed to spoil <laughs> things on this podcast? Oh, yeah, yeah, but just say spoiler. Spoiler for succession. Yeah, spoilers for succession. LA Times published an obituary for. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, a lot of publications did. Fucking, but you see, I dodged that shit. But then you know, oh, your friend spoiled it, right? No, not even my friend, my coworker. Unsuccessful car. Oh my god! Did you hear about Succession last night? Apparently, blood blood died. I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, I just look at her. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) That's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. Well, bro, you gotta at least say spoiler. I know, (laughs) Jesus Christ. Um, So yeah, Succession has been great. Zareen, I am also a huge Yellow Jackets fan. I'm so glad to hear. Let's go. Um, So yeah, I've been I've been watching watching Yellow Jackets. Was really sad that there wasn't a new episode this week, but um, I know. I'm yeah. I was very disappointed, very very let down by that. But you know they got got to give the girls a break. That's fine. Um, 
and then uh, my my partner and I have been watching The Wire as well for a while. That's been rollback. Uh, uh, a thing for the last couple of months. Um, the wires. I mean, the wire. The wires. The wire. It's incredible. So, um, would highly recommend if you all haven't haven't taken that journey yet. Nice. Well, <laughs> it was it was great to hear what everybody's been watching, and we'll go ahead and start talking about the movies. So, typically, the person who is not who did not choose, was choosing. But since we have our fourth star here, we'll go ahead and allow him to choose what he would like to talk about first. So, Willis. I think I'd like to talk about the Red Shoes first. Okay, Red Shoes. Oh, cool. Megan, go for it. Yeah, so the Red Shoes is a movie that I chose for the month of April. Um, the Red Shoes is a British drama film um, from 1948, written, directed, and produced by Michael Powell and Emmerich Pressburger. It essentially just follows Victoria Page, who's played by Maura Shearer. Hopefully I'm pronouncing these names correctly. Um, who comes to fame as a ballerina. Um, she plays the... What do they call it? The principal dancer in um, the Red Shoes Ballet. That is run by... The world-renowned ballet Lermontov, who's owned and operated by Boris Lermontov, who's played by Anton Walbrook. And then essentially it just follows her journey as a ballet, a ballerina and her passion for it. And it does also follow the ram- the romance, her romance with um composer Julian Craster, who's played by Marius Goring, Goring, um, who she meets um while she starts her career in the ballet while they do red shoes together uh so and then also i do want to note this did win i believe two academy awards um so one one it won one for best original score and at the time it won one for best art direction which correct me if i'm wrong i don't know if that's a thing nowadays um that's it yeah that's like uh production design Okay. Okay, that makes sense. And it was nominated for Best Picture, but it did not win that year. Did Brief Encounters um, win? Oh, <laughs> <Whoa>. triggered. <laughs> Just like a heads up, Willis. I like that's a movie that we talked about. That's a movie that we picked in the beginning. That Jared picked in the beginning. I do not like that movie. In Brief Encounter, it's a running like, gag. The Brief Encounter apparently is like liked by everyone but me. <laughs> and I like Megan's I will, a hater. I will die on the hill. <laughs> I will die on the hill that I hate that fucking movie. And I kind of was like, I was, I felt gaslighted because I was like, there is no way everyone loves this movie. I was like, I don't get it. I was so confused. So no, I don't know if freaking no, Encounter won Best like, Picture that year. They came out three years earlier. <laughs> we have but, now fulfilled our episodal requirement to mention Brief Encounter at least. Yeah. <laughs> and Trigger <laughs> Megan. <laughs> God. Uh, so I guess we could go with Brief. Um, we could go with. We, got uh, her. <laughs> we, could, we could go with. What is it called? Initial thoughts. Um. I'll go ahead and start with uh, Zareen. Okay. Um, 
I'll start with what I liked. Um, so in this movie, like it is a movie, but also like in the middle of the movie that you basically get like, I don't know, maybe like 10 minutes of an entire like ballet production. Um, just like completely without any dialogue, without any much like cutting or editing. It's um, just like an uninterrupted ballet performance. And it is simply gorgeous like it, it really like took my breath away i could see why it won for best like production design um and i personally have not really like watched much ballet in my life but watching that i was like wow the ballet is pretty dope um so i was <laughs> I like go to the ballet. <laughs> yeah no literally it was it was like so beautiful like the dancing and the music together and everything um so that was probably like my favorite part of the film that I really appreciated. Um, in terms of the plot, um, I thought it was cool that kind of like the the outside plot of the movie sort of like mirrored the inside plot of like this um, play that they're putting on or like ballet production that they're putting on inside the movie, which is called The Red Shoes. Um, so that parallel I'm sure we'll talk about was cool to me. Um, but in terms of like the actual romance, I felt like it was kind of like slow and drawn out. Like we didn't actually f- see the main like tension in the movie, which kind of ends up being a sort of like triangle of sorts um, or the, like the main romance until like an hour in like halfway through or so. And that felt like it was like very slow to me and also didn't really see much of the chemistry so I felt like I was not really bought into the main like kind of like predicament um of the movie um and so I I didn't really like care that much for it so those are my initial thoughts um you could go with uh Willis how about you initial thoughts not specific uh to to red shoes just any film that used technicolor (laughs) but um it just looked beautiful i mean um the the colors were uh uh very vibrant and very satisfying to look at um i also see why film won uh, an oscar for set design um because the set was absolutely like fantastic um it and also the the shots of um, uh, France were were really beautiful as well. Um, I, much like Zareen, I liked the dancing a lot. I thought the dancing was incredible, um, and the ballet sync the sequence in the middle was uh, was uh, and the whole production was was uh, really fun. I think it was maybe. Maybe a little longer than it need needed to be. I maybe would have shaved like two minutes off of it because it. I I did find myself getting a little bored and um, hope it was going to be over soon because there wasn't enough uh, to see sink my teeth into. But I did really um, like the the like surrealistic shift that it took right it wasn't um just uh you know a filmed ballet production on a stage right it was um uh very 
very psychological and um yeah yeah i guess i guess that's all i really have to say about it um i i really liked some of the um i really liked the uh like kind of questions that it raises about um i, I guess like at, at its essence like a, a, a work-life balance um and being able to um separate your work and and your passions from from your life and um allow those things to kind of coexist with each other um and and uh just kind of exploring the 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 friction that that comes with new things um i thought i thought the 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 commentary on on that kind of uh that i think we all feel to some extent was uh really strong nice and then um jared how about yeah. you yeah this movie is, is really good uh like uh this movie made in the 40s like geez man this, this movie looks so like modern it's insane Honestly, if I saw this movie back then, I would believe Magic was real, straight up. Some of the, some of the edits, man. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't really want to talk about like the ballet scene too much, but like beating a dead horse. But like when they would, when they would edit, like she's dancing and then she's seeing the the composer, then the composer starts dancing, and then it cuts to a random, a random guy dancing with her, and then there's also two like this anapromorphic i don't know is it like a like a cloth or a rag that's dancing and all of a sudden it changes to a person i like like oh, i was newspaper? yeah the newspaper yeah the newspaper yeah. like honestly like if i saw this movie back in the 40s i would have believed in god like straight up <laughs> like <laughs> like I, I i honestly don't even know how like they did they pulled that shit off like now i, I think that's like insane yeah um, but yeah, but but I mean, um, I do. I'll, I'll speak a bit on the romance too. I I'm in agreement with Zareen. I thought the romance. I wasn't too bothered though because I, I viewed it more so like I didn't believe the romance, and I felt like the movie just used a romance as kind of a vehicle just to talk about the main point of the movie that Willis brought up. So I wasn't too bothered, but I can see why people are, can be bothered if it's just used as like a like a plot point just to propel the movie forward which i get um but yeah i mean it's good uh besides like diving into a bit more all i gotta say man is just bro let her cook man these guys are just like assholes (laughs) just 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 let her live her life man let her live her life that's all i gotta say let her cook let her cook (laughs) let her cook Um, I have nothing else to add uh, to what you three said. I do want to mention, though, because I think in when I was reading about this, I do want to mention that the dance, the ballet sequence, I believe was like 17 minutes long. Wow. I feel like yeah, I could be wrong. Because it was long, but then when I read that somewhere, I was like, 17 minutes? That's a long time. That definitely, um, that definitely got, perked me up, though. I was, like, laid back and then just watching. I'm, like, you know, leaning forward, just really just, like, in awe. Yeah, that ballet sequence was, like, oh, I should go to the ballet. Um, But it was, like, Let's a really, it. like, 
<laughs> it's a really visually <laughs> like stunning movie. Um, and I do, I have like interesting feelings about movies that talk about certain people's passions. Like, for example, like Whiplash and then Black Swan. Black Swan, which I really like. Whiplash, which I'm not sure if I like. <laughs> but um, I did like that. I did like how they approached that theme in regards to um, kind of her trying to pick between like pursuing her passion or seeing this like romance through. Um, so I think that just kind of does segue to maybe some talking points about the movies. Uh, I don't know. One question that I do have, um, which I don't know if is like jumping the gun, um, but when this is a spoiler. So spoiler uh, talk starts now. Spoiler for the red shoes. Um, why do you think she committed suicide? Uh, she was just um, first, first thing that I do want to say was when I noticed that she was like fle- like fleeing the ballet, I was like, I rolled my eyes because I was like, is she seriously gonna run to the train station like after Julian? And I was like, low key, fuck that guy. I was like, why can't he just wait? I was like, there's other trains to Paris. And then she 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 stunned me and she killed herself. I was like, oh my god. And so, um, I'm just curious as to. I honestly personally was shocked. I didn't think that was going to happen. So I just want to hear everyone's thoughts or people who believe they have uh, something to say about this as to like why she did that. Was it to like stop the noise or was it? I don't know. uh, I think she wanted both. But But she just couldn't pick? She well, it's 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 more so just a metaphor, I guess, where she wanted both, but she can't live by having both, so there, therefore she's better off just dead. Like she has to choose one or the other type of thing. Yeah, and I I thought yeah. it was. Oh, go ahead, Zareen. Oh, sorry. I'll I'll go and then Willis can go. Um, no, I I completely agree with you, Megan. That it really felt out of left field. I feel like the her reaction of like trying to commit suicide felt like way blown out of proportion compared to like what was happening. I like, I, there wasn't any like build up or there wasn't enough build up to like warrant that type of reaction in my opinion. Like one thing I do want to note before Willis is that there is that parallel between like um, the actual ballet and the movie if you will like the life outside of the ballet um outside of her character that she plays in the ballet is that when she feels like she's kind of at peace well first off i'm surprised she didn't die upon impact but like anyways yeah uh, <laughs> she was that girl was moving <laughs> but the, there was that parallel like she finally took off the red shoes and she did she did seem kind of like at peace um because it's like the whole thing about the red shoes is that it's just um, she goes like tired, but she just has to keep like dancing and dancing. And cause she did jump off with like her red shoes. Um, Willis, did you want to add something? I, I, I just wanted to add that I did kind of see it coming that she was going to die in some way because um, that's, that's what happens in the, in the ballet. If I'm, if 
Mm-hmm. If I'm mistaken, I don't remember seeing it in the actual production, but um, that's something that what's what's the what's the guy's name? L- Lermontov is that his name? Yeah, 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 yeah. Something that Lermontov says when he explain when he gives like the summary of the story to um, to uh, Krasner or Craster. Says that she that she dies at the end, um, and so mm. I was I was kind of early on seeing you know the the pretty obvious like parallels between like her story and the story of her character right the the, the character in the ballet is is you know strikingly similar to her and that is kind of that is is conveyed in the in the ballet sequence itself right when the um, like the shoemaker kind of, uh, you know, take like ends up taking on the form of both Craster and and Lermontov. Um, so, kind of, I assumed that it was going to lead to her death in some way. Um, obviously, in the in the ballet, right? I mean, it's not really explained, but the idea is that she just like kind of dances herself into into a grave in some way um but but my the point that i'm i'm making and i don't really know if i believe this or really know if it even makes that much sense but like maybe the shoes killed her right um like maybe the because sh- the the idea is that like the shoes the shoes sort of have a life of their own right she wants to stop dancing she wants to rest but the shoes keep dancing and she can't stop um and so so, um maybe maybe it's that the shoes like drew her to the window because that that's that was the destiny of the person who's in the red shoes um but i was also a little i was a little thrown off by it i thought it was it, it felt very abrupt and um didn't didn't make a lot of sense as well that is a good take I think my like I wonder if like the red shoes would just be a symbol for something then like would it be a symbol to like in this case I did like the quote in the beginning of the movie where she asked him like well why do you live and he's like well I must and she's like that's why I dance um so I just wonder if like the red shoes represents just basically that Dancing is essentially like her way to live, but that is a good point. And then I, my my last question, because I feel like we're gonna have a lot to talk about for Eyes Wide Shut. Um, do you believe that Lermontov actually? Because there was kind of this like love triangle, but I was always trying to figure out Lermontov. So I was like, do you think he actually loved her, or he was kind of like obsessed with the idea of like her potential greatness? Like, what is your impression of him? Definitely the latter. Just definitely like her lasting image. For instance, the red shoes wasn't the first and only. Well, the first time it was performed was only by her, and then the second time ever it was performed, it was supposed to be by her. But then like it wasn't. So he's just more so like obsessed with like legacy and whatnot, and how you want to be remembered, not necessarily like how you were as a person, just like what you leave behind and whatnot. So that, I I didn't I didn't get that she that he loved her, 
I think he loved her for her art. Does anyone else have like anything they wanted to talk about in regards to this movie? Um, but I think those are the things that I wanted to hit. Yeah, I just like to talk about the 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 whip the whip shots or or insane. The the one where she's doing a pirouette when she, when he first sees her. And it's it's that same shot from Black Swan where like the camera focuses on one spot and then she's spinning and then the camera mimics it just to feel like we're spinning with her from her point of view. That's like especially from the forties, that's fucking sick. It's like so sane how they how they did that back then. Yeah, um, I was reading about like the technicality of all these like shots and like the way it exuded color and just like how the movement was captured so well um for like this time like there's that one scene where she's like going down these stairs and then you see the red shoes and how like intricate of a shot that is without having just basically for like seeing it for what it was um i think the technicality of this movie is like super it was super great especially like given the time seriously well yeah now that's that's all i have to say um just uh yeah man just let porky no los dos that's all i gotta say <laughs> why not both true truly though um because it does seem like with movies like this it's just like it always seems like one or the other nah you know neiman neiman is in the right dude fuck that girl dump that girl become <laughs> become become the next uh drummer dude sorry spoilers for whiplash <laughs> <laughs> uh but any last thought before we go to final ratings because i don't think any of us i think we're omitting ratings from our letterbox reviews now <laughs> yeah no other thoughts um well it's last minute thoughts or... um i'm all set i well i mean i did some of some of uh some of uh, the points that jared was making was um uh, making me think about the Banshees of Inisherin. Has anyone, has everyone mm. seen that? Yeah, we've Great all seen movie. it. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Who's the yeah, like, so... Who's the donkey in this film? No, <laughs> 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 oh, but uh, oh. you know, I think I think uh, Lermontov reminds me a lot of Brendan Gleeson's character in um. And Banshees of Inisherin, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, he's like he's like obs- he becomes like obsessed with this legacy, right? Um, yeah, it's, a- it's about what what we're gonna leave behind, what's gonna live, what is gonna immortalize us, right? And um, what kind of uh, sacrifices we're we're willing to make in this lifetime um, to achieve that immortality, right? So. Um, I don't know. I think I think it's possible that Lermontov might have some kind of attraction for her beyond just like an obsession with her talent and his potential um, association with that talent. Um, but I think his uh, he he he's much more he's much more obsessed with um, the the kind of elevation that that she can bring to to his legacy and to his his status as a, as an artist. Nice. Well, I think that concludes the red shoes. Uh 
Um, I think I would give it three and a half, leaning four. Um, how about you, peeps? Yeah, I think I'm also a three and a half. I was originally three, but after hearing you all talk about like how impressive like the edits and the coloring and the shots were for this time period, I'm bumping it to three point five. Slay. Nice. I give it a four stars for four stars podcast today. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but yeah, I give four stars. I definitely would buy because I, I know Criterion has they they just recently did a restoration for 4k but i would definitely buy it again and i definitely rewatch it again i think on rewatch i gave it a four and a half for sure uh but yeah definitely just the site just a marvel can't believe this was made in the 40s yeah i think i i would also give it uh four i'm leaning towards four and a half just because of I, i just i feel i felt very like like jared is saying i felt very impressed by it um I, I could not feel its age at all. It felt very modern. It felt a lot better than a lot of movies that are, are coming out now. Um, and yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was great. I thought it was a, it was, it, it deserves its, um, its reputation as a, as a classic film without question. Yeah, Willis, do you want to go ahead and segue us into Eyes Wide Shut, which I, I think is going to be, make is for a great conversation. I, I hope so. I sure did over-prepare for our discussion <laughs> about this. Um, I'm, I'm a little intimidated by what I have uh, outlined for our discussion today, but we're just going to jump into it and do our best. Um, okay. So uh, let's get started with Eyes Wide Shut. Um, so this was a uh, s- film directed by Stanley Kubrick. Um, you, you may have heard of him, right? Um, nice, nice. Uh, so I'm just going to read the, the summary that you'll, that you'll find on Google, right? Um, <laughs> after Dr. Bill Hartford's, uh, played by Tom Cruise, um, after Dr. Bill Hartford's wife, Alice, who's played by Nicole Kidman, admits to having sexual fantasies about a man she met. Bill becomes obsessed with having a sexual encounter. He discovers an underground sexual group and attends one of their meetings and quickly discovers that he is in over his head. before we get jump into the discussion, um, there are a couple things I looked into, uh, kind of related to this film um, that I wanted to talk about with with you all. Um, so the film was directed by Stanley Kubrick. This was actually Stanley Kubrick's last film before dying of a heart attack on seventh of nineteen ninety nine. Apparently, Kubrick suffered a heart attack in his sleep just six days after he screened the final cut of the film to his family and its stars. Um, and this made Eyes Wide Shut a, post- a posthumous release for Kubrick, right, when it came out in, uh, on, on September 3rd of 1999. Um, so, so yeah, this is, this is Stanley Kubrick's last movie um, from what I re- read online. Uh, it had 
a pretty a pretty muted reception for a Kubrick movie, especially for his last film. I think um, people, a lot of people were maybe understandably so a little thrown off, a little confused by it. Um, I'm sure we can all, we can sympathize with those, those people a little bit, having just watched the film as well. Um, so yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, Kubrick's uh, mastery of, of subtlety, use of symbolism and uh, delivery, delivery of uh, provocative social commentary are as prevalent Eyes Wide Shut as they are in any other films in his catalog. Um, and uh, yeah, so so that's that with uh, Stanley Kubrick. Uh, another thing uh, I wanted to point out um, was the film's location. So obviously uh, this film takes place in um, New York, right? Um, but actually the entire thing was shot in, in the UK, it shot, it was shot in England. Um, and Mentmore Towers uh, is, is uh, an English country house, and that's the name of the mansion where Eyes Wide Shut's infamous ceremony takes place. Um, and this was the lo also the location for uh, the Wayne Manor in Christopher Nolan's Batman Begins. So that's a pretty, a pretty interesting fact, I thought. Um, that was uh, uh, something in the film that was like immediately... Uh, striking to me I, when I saw the the shot of that mansion, I was like, I need to find out where this is because this building is beautiful. Um, that was dope. Yeah, um, and then another thing that we could do if you all are interested is uh, go over the timeline or uh, Tom, the relationship between uh, Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman, because... Didn't they meet during this? Isn't this how they met? This is not, this is not how they met. I thought that this was the movie that they met on, but they... This they, isn't the movie that they ended, the start of the end. Yeah, Seriously? This was, this, so this was, their last, sure. this was their last movie together. Yeah, so they got, they got divorced. Were already yeah. married when they filmed this. Oh, film. so they it's were really... married during this film. Yeah, and they got divorced. Got divorced uh, uh, in less than two years after this film was released. Mm. But anyway, I wanted to talk about t Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman a little bit because man, they are such a power couple. I mean, they are like both like so unbelievably hot in this movie. <laughs> I don't know if you guys. <laughs> If you guys felt this way, but I Word. was like, No, I felt that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, they, are, they are so... They're both so incredibly good looking. Like, no wonder our culture was, was obsessed with them. Um, wanted to, I wanted to talk about the timeline for, uh, for their relationship, because they're both uh, very interesting people. Um, so, 1990... Or, sorry, 1989... Tom Cruise and Cruise and Kidman, they meet and fall in love on the set of Days of Thunder, which is a movie I've never seen before or heard of before uh, preparing for this today. Um, that's that They met on the set of this film, they fell in love, and then they got married in 1990 and quickly became a, a Hollywood power couple. Um, 1992, Cruise and Kidman returned to the big screen as co-stars in the Western drama Far and Away. Also a movie I've never seen before or heard of um, before for this, um, but that was their, their second film together. 
Um, also in 1992, Cruz and Kidman <laughs> excuse me, adopt their first child, Isabella Jane. And in 1995, they adopt their second child, Connor. Uh, in 1997, Nicole Kidman joins the Church of Scientology with Cruz. Oh, yeah. She used to be part of it. Yeah. Well, actually, sorry. So Kid Kidman joins Church of Scientology with Cruz while they're married, but then leaves in 1997. That's my mistake. Um, mm. And apparently when she left in 97, she actually convinced Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise to leave the church briefly as well, uh, oh, which is pretty, pretty surprising because he is um, very much a Scientologist, very strongly invested in the in the church to this day um yeah uh and then in 1999 Cruz and kidman return to the big screen for their last time as co-stars in kubrick's eyes wide shut <coughs> which is the topic of our discussion for today and in 2001 uh Cruz and kidman uh get divorced and kidman uh reported feeling quote blindsided by the divorce she didn't see it coming she thought um her, her and Tom had a good relationship, but I guess uh, she was wrong about that. Uh, um, so they get divorced in 2001, and then this, I don't know if any of you have heard of this yet. Uh, we all know that Tom Cruise did not make an appearance at the 2023 Oscars, right? Oh, right. Even though Despite he was in Top the, Gun. The, the major success of Top Gun Maverick, right? Tom Cruise famously did not make an appearance at the, the Oscar ceremony where he was expected. And it was reported that he did not come to the Oscar ceremony out of fear of running into Nicole Kidman, even though uh, they have been divorced for over 20 years at this point. So, um, Wow. That's that wild. Was, yeah. Yeah. That was a, a pretty, a pretty interesting fact. Tom Cruise is, is a very weird person. Uh, hmm. <laughs> yeah so so yeah that's that's a history of uh of uh the that's, that's the the timeline for tom cruise and nicole kidman kidman's relationship um it uh didn't go very well for them but damn they looked really good in this film they both looked incredible um and their performances were great too um so yeah, that's all I have for, for the introduction to Eyes Wide Shut. Um, and now I'm ready to hear all of your immediate thoughts, gut reactions to this film. Jared, what do you think? It was very interesting. Uh, I liked it. Uh, and I know, like, uh, I, I knew what it was about. Like, my sister, we, we talked, um, Megan and I, before she asked, like, about the the whole cult scene and she was just asked me like oh did you know about it? i'm like yeah i know because like i feel like uh in my opinion people wrongly bring up well they they just reference eyes wide shut just ref they always reference just the party scene and that's like all it is to it but i mean in my opinion i'll talk about this a bit later but when people see it as like kind of like an erotic thriller and they're like oh this movie is like not sexy at all like why like, it failed. I don't think that's the point of this movie. Um, I could talk about it later. But I think it's supposed to be n unsexy for a particular reason. E even though there's a lot of nudity. There's, like, a lot of... A lot of, uh... 
things didn't consummate you know like we never see we never see them well we see like we see like nicole kidman having sex and whatnot but like we never see nicole kidman and tom cruise having sex right it's 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 that that's so that just go i'll talk about it a bit more later but i enjoyed it uh definitely very interesting and also i just have like a lot more thoughts because like a lot of it it's interesting too just how to view this movie with the fact that stanley krupik died um there's a lot of like conspiracy theories that going out there about this movie which is kind of funny uh that i'll talk about later uh and and it's kind of cool it just it just shows how great like uh Stanley Kubrick is as a director because, like, for instance, his one of his first one of his first movies, Space Odyssey, two thousand one Space Odyssey, that created conspiracy theories that, like, you know, the U.S. didn't land on the moon, that they took footage from that film and whatnot. It just 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 shows how great he is, and like, there's like conspiracy theories about this one about how, like, one of the main ones is how, like, the the rich elite. This is like a big portrayal of like their life and how also to the this type of group is like running the government from what i've heard like some serious theories about that so it's like kind of sick yeah but i liked it. it but definitely more talk about a spoiler discussion awesome awesome thank you jared um megan what do you think um i i like this film so initial thoughts uh, we have seen two movies in Movie Club by Stanley Kubrick. Um, and I was expecting, of, of course, for it to be long. In the last one, I the last film that we watched by him, I was, like, indifferent about Barry Lyndon. So I kind of was like, that's the last movie I saw of his. So I was just like, uh, this is going to just be long. And I'm going to have to like, have the energy for it. But I was pretty much engaged the entire time. I also did not know, spoiler, I did not know about the sex cult, so that was really drew my attention. <laughs> that was very crazy and very, like, it was very just, like, eerie or, like, scary, um, like, ominous. It was just crazy. Um, so, yeah, I really like this, and I feel like there's a lot to unpack here, but I'll just go ahead and leave it at that in regards to initial initial thoughts. But I did like it a lot. And Zareen, what'd you think? Yeah, just saying, echoing the same thing that everyone else has been saying. Super, super intriguing movie. Um, I think I probably enjoyed this the most out of the Kubrick films we've watched in Movie Club so nice. far. Yeah, I I think um, everyone said it really well. Like It was a very tense film. Like The whole time, I'm just like, holding my breath like holy shit what's going on what's gonna happen next um i really didn't know much about this movie going in besides like that like one sentence summary and you know seeing the movie poster i expected it to be like weird but i didn't know i thought it was gonna go in a completely different direction and yeah i totally did not see the whole cult thing coming and ooh it kind of like gives you chills. Uh, so yeah, I'm really excited to unpack this a little more. Awesome. Yeah, there are a lot of a lot of twists and turns. I feel like this is a, a really uh, great movie. Um, just go in 
completely completely blind with and just uh let it let it surprise you in a way that it inevitably will even if you do go in with some information um because it's weird it's a very it's a very weird movie it's very uh uncomfortable a lot of the time um it's i mean if i if i if i could just if i if i could give my gut reaction um had a it 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 had this quality that was you know akin to uh 2001 some a, a feeling that i felt when i saw 2001 a space odyssey for the first time and um i'm sure a lot of his other films have have uh, a similar effect but it just had this like mesmerizing kind of quality i mean i just like couldn't really think about anything else while i was watching it um and it was very like um and ominous as you said Megan but also just very luring right like I was just very captivated by it and um can't I mean there are a lot of things that a lot of things I could say about the film itself um, to try and put my thumb on kind of why I felt that way while watching it um but I like for the most part I feel like it was just a vibe I, I can't really tell you where it where it, it came was from. Just a vibe. Really can't tell you where it came from in this film. I can't really tell you where it came from in um in two thousand one A Space Odyssey either. Um there's just something about it that's just really mesmerizing and, and spectacular and and grand. Um, so yeah, I, I really enjoyed this movie. It was very weird. I like weird. Um, weird is uh, uh, is is conducive to some great discussions. Um, so I'm excited to talk about this film with you all today. Um, so let's segue now into kind of the the main discussion. Um, so I wanted to talk with you all about. Uh, talk to you about gender roles as as a theme in this film um and the relationship between like gender roles and desire because i think uh um offers a really um an interesting kind of commentary on the kind of similarities and differences between uh, masculine and feminine desire and um, uh, uh, and and not not just the desire itself but also the expression of of desire um, and how how that different or seems like it is different uh, for uh, for men and women um, what kind of uh, what what kind of uh, desire are um, we uh, allowed to express um, based on uh, the gender that we uh, identify with or the gender that uh, that society assigns us? Um, who who gets to feel what? Right? 
I think um, I think this film poses a lot of really interesting questions along that topic. So what I wanted to ask you all is, what do you think of this film's commentary on uh, on desire? What kinds of questions does this film raise about the similarities and or differences of masculine and feminine desire slash uh, masculine and feminine expression of desire? Well, there's that whole scene where, you know, Nicole, uh, Nicole's character, she like is basically like has this huge fight with Tom Cruise's character, right? Um, where he's kind of like prescribing these very like normative gender roles. And he's mm-hmm. like, well, yeah, men are different men. You know, mm-hmm. we've got our dicks out and we just want to fuck anything that moves. You know, we're like animals like that. Women have no desires, you know? And, like, that's his view of, like, women and their sexuality. And Nicole's like, ha, that's what you think? Like, are you serious? Are you kidding me? And that's when she pulls the reverse Uno. (laughs) Exactly. And she's like, like, (laughs) women have desires, too. Newsflash. (laughs) (laughs) And then it's, like, this, exactly, this, like, just something that's like so beyond Tom Cruise's mind, like you <laughs> couldn't even brain. imagine <laughs> that, Only like being horny. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like that just like fucks him up so bad that it ends up in, in him doing all these like absurd things. So I feel like it's it's kind of yeah. like making commentary on these ideas that society has about um, like the different. Yeah, sexuality of the different yeah. genders. And it's actually kind of crazy that you mentioned that because it just got me thinking about how, like, she mentioned something that he prescribed to a man, how, like, she had the sexual desire and she was willing to leave, like, everything. She was willing to leave him. She was willing to leave her daughter. And then mm-hmm. something that he expected of, like, a man. And then, you know, he goes on this sex, he goes on this journey trying to look for sexual encounters. And he, basically just ends up being loyal to his wife which is what he prescribed her Mm. like he was just like i have never i've never had any doubts of you like because she was like why don't you think because it's like that i would be like she was arguing like why why don't you think like i would cheat on you and she was like well he's like because i'm so certain of you Mm -hmm, and then basically mm -hmm. it was kind of just like a reversal where she hit them with like, well, I've thought of cheating on you. And he's like, well, a man's only supposed to do that. And then he's trying to like cheat on her or just act upon like whatever these inherent like sexual desires that men are supposed to have. But at the end of the day, he just ended up staying loyal to his wife, which is what she he always thought of her. Yeah, and I think this, this brings up an interesting question about desires of each of these characters right what does nicole kidman's character and Al- what does alice's character desire and, and uh and what is ta- what is um what is bill's character desire right um uh, uh, um alice's character expresses uh, a kind of sex like a very obvious like sexual desire for this you know this naval officer that she's been fantasizing about for years, right? Um, she's she's experiencing this 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 sexual desire, which she expresses to Bill, um, 
And then Megan, like, like you say, uh, then that, that triggers, um, some jealousy in him. And so he thinks, okay, well, uh, well now, now I need to go out and, you know, I need to, I need to kind of have, I need to have these, uh, these sexual desires and I need to act on them. But I don't know about you guys, but I was never really convinced that he ever actually had any sexual desire for anyone other than his wife throughout this throughout this whole film throughout his whole odyssey um, actually he, yeah he, i would agree he mm-hmm. really he ultimately he doesn't want it he doesn't want the sex in the same way that alice does it's like yeah. he wants to want it wants to want it but what he really desires is revenge right he mm. wants to get revenge on alice because he feels like she's been unfaithful to him she feels like, uh, or he feels like she has has betrayed him by having these fantasies and um, not really showing any remorse for them and feeling kind of proud in the uh, of them and not really apologizing for them. Right. Megan, like like what you like what you were saying, um, you know, she's not the one that's supposed to feel those things, right? She's not the one that's supposed to feel desire for other people. She's the one, she's supposed to be loyal to her husband, whereas that same expectation is not expected on to the husband, onto the male figure. It's expected that the man is going to act like the other men in this, in this film and cheat on their wives, right? Um, Like, uh, can't remember. Can't remember the guy's name, but the the um. Oh, Ziegler. Ziegler. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like like Ziegler. Right. That's kind of that's what's expected and that's what's accepted of men. Um, and ultimately, Bill Bill is just not. Right. That's not how Bill is. I don't think Bill really wants to be that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but now his masculinity has been put to the test it's been threatened right um the conversation that he he feels very he feels very emasculated uh by the conversation he has with um with alice in their bedroom um in which she confesses these fantasies that she's had um she kind of uh, and she kind of is very very strong and very forceful and very um of him in that conversation and so so he leaves and then he walks out and i don't know if you you all remember but there's this group of aggro men who like oh yeah he's like homophobic yeah right um so his masculinity is being tested everywhere and so he's like okay i can you know prove that i am a man by going out and you know having sex with someone right now um but it's, it's never because he wants to have sex, though, right? That's never yeah. really what he wants. He's just trying to get revenge. He's gay. <laughs> he's gay. Maybe, or, maybe, or maybe he's just, maybe he's just a, a, a monogamous, like a monogamous person. Maybe <laughs> Conspiracy theory. No, seriously. So, 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 one of the things I heard <laughs> was that Stanley Kubrick was like trying to cuck 
Tom Cruise. This is like one of the conspiracy theories. Oh so <laughs> appar- apparently, apparently back. So Tom, Tom Cruise was kind of like the starlet, the starlet actor during this time, right? He was like mm-hmm. in everything. And then that's why it was like a really big surprise when he joined. He w- was on board with this project because Stanley Kubrick is is notoriously known as like abusing his actors which mm-hmm. is kind of fucked up like for example in the shining he uh he purposely uh manipulated and um took advantage of Shelby Duvall so that she can give a manic and insane performance in the shining um but with that being said, uh, <laughs> so speaking on Tom Cruise, it was actually like a match made in heaven because uh, Tom Cruise is very meticulous as well. So like they kind of the the auteur and Stanley Kubrick mixed with the shiny new toys of Hollywood is a very shiny prospect. But the reason why I'm saying is that Stanley Kubrick kind of wanted to cuck him is because apparently Tom Cruise was like struggling during this time with his sexual identity the sexual orientation like a lot of people were questioning whether i mean whether he was gay or not back then so people are saying like this movie is kind of like stanley Kubrick's like hey, like he is gay type of thing um just by portraying him just and just also just portraying him being like like i mentioned earlier just never honestly like he never consummates anything like he never mm. goes all the way he always gets like cucked and, st- and stuff like that and then um Additionally, too, speaking on Tom Cruise, is that uh, people saying that this movie was the beginning of the end for their relationship. Apparently, Tom, apparently Stanley Kubrick didn't allow Tom Cruise on set whenever she shot her intimate scenes with the male model. So this kind of like, the way I like to think about it, it this uh, creates a paranoia that he wants, that he, Stanley Kubrick, wants for the film but also to type of a paranoia in like real life um which is kind of funny which is kind of funny that's that's pretty fucked up yeah pretty (laughs) fucked up yeah and yeah but like that's like my little two cents about i have like more to talk about it about like contextually but that's like my my i think that's the end of my conspiracy theory but yeah that was like the whole tom cruise thing was i thought was super interesting and Stanley Cooper. Your, your role in the rest of this discussion, you're just going to be our conspiracy theorist. <laughs> <consultant. laughs> just like yeah. checking. Yeah. Yeah. Talk with I, the conspiracy theories whenever they whenever they're relevant. We will. <laughs> yeah. So that note, I was. Yeah, I was just going to say I was surprised. I had no idea who was in the movie or anything going in, so I was surprised to see like Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman to be Nicole in, like, Kidman. A, like in a Stanley Kubrick film because I was like. Oh, this is like a really like I know it's gonna be a weird fucking movie. Like, I'm surprised that these like stars are in it. You know. Yeah, I like to think this fucked him up because if you actually look at his filmography, he Tom Cruise took he went back to his comfort action movies after this. Mm. I didn't think about that. Like he like well like granted he did he did halt Mission Impossible two to like finish. Apparently this like this production I think took like. Th- like uh, two years i may i may be exaggerating but it took like a very long time and there were like reshoots um so he like stopped mission impossible 2 for a bit but then after you know he i i think this kind of fucked him up so he, he went to do like minority report all the mission impossibles and he wasn't i i feel like now like now he is with the resurgence of like the 
better Mission Impossible movies and also to, of course, Top Gun Maverick. But, like, I feel like he was struggling to gain his A-list stardom after this movie, in my opinion. Do you think this was, like, the beginning of a downward trend for him, though? Yeah, I think so. Um, so, like, do you think he In retrospect. I have a question for you, then. Do you think it was, he was good in this film? Oh, yeah, he was. He was so good in this film. He was so good. Do you think it was just coincidental? Yeah, well, it's... Do you think it was just kind of, like, the emotional impact in regards well, to, like, his relationship with Nicole Kidman, or... It's because it's, it's interesting, because, you know, this is, this is the same for Babylon, you know? I feel like Eyes Wide Shut was misunderstood when it got... when it released, and I feel like, you know, only a proper reflection, I don't know, 20, like, at least two decades late. uh, well, a decade later... Um, well, no, two decades later, like decades, we're able yeah. to, we're, we're able to uh, analyze it for what it's worth, and you know, having letting time pass, seeing that, like, letting it see in the ether of film. I feel like Eyes Wide Shut is like people are viewing that movie much kinder now compared to when it released with the whole Stanley Kubrick death, and also to Nicole and Tom Cruise, and eventually them splitting up two years later. Uh, I think they're viewing it much more kinder now. Yeah. I also thought Tom Cruise was really good in this. I'm not like a huge Tom Cruise fan. I've never been like terribly impressed by his acting before. Um, but I thought he was like when I when I watched this film, I was like, okay, I understand the hype a little bit. Like I understand <laughs> why, why he's famous as he is. Why he got to where 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 he is. Okay. Um, yeah, my favorite part is when he jumps out of the plane naked. That was insane. Absolutely <laughs> insane. What? You didn't see that part? <laughs> Lol. <laughs> that didn't happen in this movie. <laughs> but uh, what what role would you all say that emasculation plays in in Bill's decision making and his motives? Oh, I would say like a huge role. Um, just kind of like I said, like he has this definitive idea of what, in regards, I guess, to like sexual desires, what women prefer and like what men prefer. And then he, and then Nicole Kidman's character counters that like with an actual example and it's a per it's an example that involves him and affects him um and so he it's a shot to the ego and it's interesting just because i feel like he has these thoughts about how like men and women should act in regards to like sexual relationships but then he doesn't actually participate in those like he doesn't practice that um and so I think it just plays a huge role and he's just always kind of seeking he's always just like seeking something but he just never, he just can't get over that little obstacle because I feel like at the end of the day he is faithful to his wife. Um, so I mean, sorry, that's not really I thought I had something deeper but that's the best you're going to get from me in regards to answering that question. Ultimately, ultimately, he is he is faithful to his wife at the end of the day, and that's that's yeah. sort of sort of what he what he wants to do, 
right? Inherently, he wants to be faithful to his wife. Which but, I guess is not like the idea of like being masculine, though. Exactly, like his his original idea. Faithful to your wife is emasculating, right? Or, yeah, that's 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 the message that's being sent in this film. I think is that if you're yeah. if you're a yeah. man and if you're a man with a certain amount of money and a certain amount of power and a certain amount of privilege, uh, you should be using that to uh, have sex with as many women as possible. Like that's the most masculine thing that you yeah. can do. I think he always like dips his toe, but he never like dives in because he just can't. Which is fine, men. Yeah. All the male listeners. That's totally fine. All, right, just- All you wasp listeners out here. <laughs> <It's> so- <laughs> You'll be okay. <laughs> be fine. Just like it's fine for Nic- for for Alice to have some some sexual fantasies about other men. And have yeah. sexual desire. That's also, which I, I love. I do want to have like an anecdotal because I've had like these personal experiences in my life. Just kind of like talking with, I don't know. It just like I feel like it's. I feel like some guys just can't wrap their mind around that women just have sexual desires. Like I feel like that seems like a still kind of taboo thought. Like I think that even guys nowadays that I'm not saying like all the guys, but I just, it seems like a taboo idea and it seems like a characteristic that's only prescribed to men. So I feel like that is very relevant and to regard, and like, that's unfortunately like still relevant. What I think makes this idea. film pretty subversive, I think, for, for its time. Um, it's kind of you, right? That like shouting at men it seems like that like women have desire and you're gonna have to deal with that there's we like sex too exactly we like we love sex too that's what it's trying to say <laughs> women love sex too like jeez <laughs> um okay next thing i want to talk about is uh power and privilege I think this uh, like p- power and privilege are definitely at the forefront. This um, of this of this film. So uh, I, I was wondering what you guys think about uh, about the role that power and privilege play in this film. Hmm. I definitely think of the same thing. Just like he wanted power, and he what he didn't. Get have like power in his relationship, like full power. He felt he felt like he lost control, and uh, that when he, when he just didn't have that control, he just kind of like was just questioning his life. And it's like, oh man, what do I do? Type of yeah. thing. Yeah, I was gonna say like, I mean, I think um, like the two main characters are clearly kind of like upper class like he's a doctor right he has a lot of money he's quite wealthy um and he like hangs around like wealthy crowd um and i think like the power that privilege all ties into is feelings of like masculinity as well and like when you know as jared said he feels like he's 
losing that he's like feeling out of control of like all of those things he tries to kind of in a way like prey on people who like using his power um because he feels like his wife is in like a position of power so he's kind of trying to like regain that control by like in some senses like taking advantage of people who are have like less privilege than him like he first you know goes to see like this hooker on the street um he Mm -hmm. like goes and tries to like basically prize out information from his friend who's like now a pianist like used to be in med school with him but um now is just kind of like seems to be like struggling with money and like trying to do whatever gigs he can do um and he sort of he's kind of like using his influence to get what he wants to get to regain that sense of control but then as he like keeps going like deeper and deeper in trying to do this oh and then there's also the scene where he like wakes up this shopkeeper in like the middle of the night you're always seeing that he's like using his money to like get these things that he wants like he's giving out like loads of like extra money to like the cab driver to take him somewhere he's like paying way more to this shopkeeper to get him a costume like in the middle of the night right and he's he's sort of like like he's trying to regain control but his money his use of money shows that he's actually like losing control of himself um and his privilege can afford him that but then like once he gets to this like mansion the cult scene he finally like runs into these people who actually hold much more power than he does and that's not something that he's used to right he's like never been in a position where there's someone who has like more power over him and can cause things to happen in his life that he like truly has no control over where like someone's following him you know he's like worried that someone might have died because of him his friend seems to have been kidnapped and like i think that's like the breaking point for him when he realizes that there's actually like this wall above him and that he can't just like buy his way into you know fixing his masculinity problems and whatnot yeah that's actually interesting that you mentioned that like that because when he's at the sex cult place um the woman keeps warning him but he keeps like insisting and it's not until like he's basically in front of all those people and they just like give him all these commands and he follows because he's like oh shit like i'm actually in trouble now um that's really, that's very interesting all the points that you made about power and privilege and how he's just yeah, I feel to like buy he... his way until he can't mm-hmm. yeah and i think that's a good point about how he kept like ignoring them because it's like he's literally like never been in a situation that he can't like buy himself out of you know yeah and then he it was like a woman who was who was like naked and like vulnerable and you could tell that she in the room she didn't have the power like especially mm-hmm. when you're walking through all those rooms like basically all these women are being like uh for lack of a better word they're just being fucked <laughs> and it's just like all these people are like watching and then basically the people who aren't partaking are women who are still naked or men who are like fully clothed and then he's just kind of like walking around and then she keeps warning him and he's like no and then it's not until like he's put in front of everyone he's like oh damn (laughs) 
I think you guys bring up both really good points about him just just trying to trying to buy his way out of this conflict, this like internal conflict that he's having, and um, it, it he just he kind of just keeps making it worse, worse and worse for himself until he's kind of, he he becomes fully immersed in it, right, as represented by yeah. this. Um, this situation that he finds himself in, this party that he ends up at, right? This is this yeah. this that's that's what the end of this journey that you're that you're starting on looks like. Right? This is this is where you're yeah. going with this, and this is this is where it stops, right? This is as far as you can go. Um, exactly, and as Zareen mentioned, like he keeps now that I think about it, he keeps trying to like buy his way out, but it just like that's just. That's always like a temporary fix, usually. And because he still, there's always those flashbacks. We always see those flashbacks of him like spiraling and thinking of Nicole Kidman and that like naval officer. And then he always just ends up doing something else, like trying to play like remedy that and not think that, think about it. But it's just like, bro, no, you just got internal issues going on. You can't buy yourself. You, can't, you have to confront it head on, like emotionally. Like you can't buy yourself you can't buy your way out of this one, dude. Okay, great. Uh okay, so the last thing I wanted to talk about um was fantasy and reality. Uh, if you uh recall at the end of the film, Bill and Alice have an ambiguous conversation about fantasy and reality. Um there's some reality in fantasy and some fantasy in reality, right? Um and by mutual understanding, the characters were able to forgive each other. Uh, Bill Alice for fantasizing about other men, and Alice forgives Bill for his late night escapades of debauchery and infidelity. Okay, um, so just thinking from this like conversation that they have in, uh, I think they're in a they're in a toy store or something, doing uh, Christmas shopping with their daughter. Um, you know they. They come to this uh, mutual agreement that uh, I guess you know, in theory, like resolves this this conflict, this dilemma that they're facing in their marriage. Um, say that this is is this a fair outcome, and does uh, anyone win and or lose in this situation? Yeah, Tom Cruise finally gets to fuck. Like he's a winner. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I definitely think the entire movie was like after after uh after she spilled her sexual desires. I definitely think the entire movie was fake. Like I think it was Oh, all interesting. I did see that theory. Yeah. About like I think it's this was all like this was all a fantasy. Yeah. Very like his he was kind of just like thinking about his sexual desires all in his head. And it was kind of confirmed that like when he went to the the shop the next day, I'm like, Oh, I think this was a dream. And then and then it just confirmed when he came home and he saw the mask, he's like, Fuck, I need to tell her how I feel. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think um even even uh 
um, Alice's confession is even almost it. It has a little. Bit of, yeah, that was a little. That was it a has little a little scary. bit of a dreamlike quality to it too. Um, Alice just like speaks really slowly and in a really like eerie way, very like inhuman. Some mm. and sometimes, yeah, I was getting maybe maybe some surrealistic vibes like maybe it was a, a a fantasy or a dream of some kind yeah i wanted to ask this question right is this is this a fair outcome right they come to the understanding you know as, assuming assuming that this isn't a fantasy or this isn't a dream and this actually happened irl you know in the in the um universe of the film um it sort of was feeling like uh, this wasn't a very fair outcome, to be honest. Ooh. Why do you think that? The only reason why I ask is because... Actually, why do you think that? I'm curious. I, I sort of think that because... That... Um, Cruz... Or, sorry, uh, Bill was ultimately... Uh, to act on his desires in some way, like actually act on his desires and get away with it. And um, and Alice was sort of forced to equate her, her fantasies with the reality mm, of, mm-hmm. of, of Bill's escapade. Um, they're yeah. very different, right? Because I think fantasizing is something that is a little bit out of control as human beings, right? It's a reaction. It's really something that Alice could do anything about, right? Um, Bill, like, actively went and, like, sought out um, many sexual encounters with many different women. None of them ever happened uh, but he wanted and tried to act on those desires whether they were actual sexual desires or desires for of, of revenge like he he ultimately tried to cheat on his wife now he did right alice um had these uh these reactionary feelings for a man that she saw um she didn't act on them, and she still she still said that she felt so much in love with Bill at the time, maybe even more in love with him than she had ever felt before. I think she said something like that. And then later on, you know, she has that, like, wild dream, which we don't have to go over with each other again. I think we've probably had enough of that. Um, but she has this, like, wild dream uh, about involving the naval officer once again um which which was also not in her control right we can't control what happens in dreams these are all this is like a sub- subconscious it's not anything that we can do about but we can control the way we like conduct ourselves and the way we act in the world and, and um this this film i'm this film is trying to say um but it feels like is easily forgiven doing something and acting in ways that maybe he shouldn't have been so easily forgiven for. And I feel like 
Alice is forced to kind of apologize for she doesn't really need to apologize for. Alice is Al- actually a fair take. Alice is a, is a loser in this in this conversation, and and Bill is kind of a winner, right? He just gets away with it scot free. You see, I think I think the women that he sees are different versions of his wife. I think, like, they're all the women that he sees. They're all same. They're white. They also too are ambered hair color, and I just think that they're just different representations of his wife in his head, and how he can go about like consummating his needs. I guess. Yeah, Megan and I talked about today so I, uh, a little bit how, uh, uh, yeah, all of the women, all of the women that he having sexual encounters with sh- look uh, shocking similar to, to Alice. Mm-hmm. So that's why I, I don't think, I don't think they're real, personally. Like, you actually believe that? Yeah, like I, think I, I know that's a I know that's a theory, but like you, you personally, you uh, subscribe to that theory as well. From just what played out, like the entire movie, I just I think, think the the convo with the the rich guy who threw the party at the end, like that's also fake. I think that, that one I, was interesting. I I I think that's where. I, I think the party actually happened to him, but then like his small little adventures, like. Like it's his small little, I guess, side quest. Like after or before the party, I think that's all in his head. But like, including mm. at the end, you know how he like talks to that guy who threw the party, mm-hmm. and he explains everything that's going on. Like that's also in his head. No, in your I, opinion, th- I I think no, because I I don't think so because that 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 part of the movie is like very important in regards to explaining what the hell is going on. Yeah. Um. So no, I don't think so. But then, but then how would you that, explain... that make everything else real? Because he was talking about a sex cult. Yeah. Well, because no, I don't think so. Because like, because like his that, that one's either it's either that that's real and everything else is real, or that's fake and everything else has to be fake. Yeah. In regards to what they call talked about in just the two of them. Oh. Because then, he yeah, specifically I... talks about the sex cult. So if you believe everything is a dream, you should believe that when he talked to Ziegler, the host of that party, you should also believe that's part of the dream. Oh, okay. Then I think everything is a dream. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate contrarian. Yeah. <laughs> the way that both of you might be right at the same time, which is that like the the the, the and it, and it brings it back to this this conversation that Bill and Alice have at the end of the film which is ultimately about the kind of blurring lines between fantasy and reality, right? So this could be like a combination of um, like a, a, a fantasy that Bill is having along with uh, some, some real life sprinkled in, or maybe it's real life, predominantly real life with some fantasy sprinkled in. Like, I I think I ultimately feel like uh, there's a lot of like exaggeration that happens. I think could be uh, like projection of 
Bill's like emotional state. It, um, I think like uh, Alice's confession to him very exaggerated, right? It's it's very very like aggressive and very strong and um, like like on it genuinely like kind like insulting at times right she's like trying to insult him she's trying to hurt him um which really find that believable right like that is um some that someone like alice would say to their husband or say to someone like bill right so i think that could have been that's the kind of like the ultimate difference between like her situation and his because i actually like totally know what you mean now about like is it a fair outcome but i feel like hers was just so believable whereas he was like just trying like he was trying to convince himself that he could be like unfaithful to her but like you could she was willing to leave it all and i feel like that i'm not like even though he did I don't know, because I'm trying to walk the line of not sound, <laughs> sounding sexist. <laughs> like, I I don't know, actually. Like, I feel like definitely it would be hurt in both situations. But um, she was just more convincing um, in regards to, like, in re- like her... Like, yes, she did not act upon it. And sometimes you can't... I don't know. Like, you can't help but, like, fantasize. And I guess we would have never known in, until she, like, mentioned it. But she spoke with, like, such conviction. And then the fact that that happened a while ago and she was willing to, like, bring it up and it's, like, stayed on her mind for that long. And, like, none of his encounters, like, even though he did have some, like, some sort of physical encounters with people, and he was actively seeking out, seeking it out, it was just, like, was not convincing. So... <sighs> yeah i like the theory that it's all in bill's head i feel like that yeah really that's an interesting read and honestly i think um for any of us who weren't thinking that when we watched it the first time like i think that thinking about gives this film um a little bit rewatch value than it already has because i'm already excited to rewatch this movie a year from now um but now watch it thinking about um the possibility of none of the right and this all being a, a projection of of bill's fantasies and also and i know that's actually also his, funny and also his um feelings of emasculation right um everything that happens in the film uh, of um, the all the, the turbulent kind of emotion, the turbulent emotional experience that he's that he's having at at this point in my life. Um. So yeah. So yeah. Okay. So um, move on to some of my uh some of my closing questions. Um. So my first closing question for you all is, what do you think the title means? I, I... Jared's going to be like, it was all a dream. 
Honestly, I mean, I think the, the, the title the maybe title bro does align and can can align with Jared's theory for sure. Facts. I think it was Stanley yeah. Kubrick's ploy to have the the rating system. Make sure you get an R rating and not NC seventeen. Just like keep your eyes wide shut during the orgy, the great orgy scene. Just that is, it is crazy that he didn't get an NC seventeen rating for this. Yeah, it was just kind of stupid. It's like, bro, why do you gotta compromise your art to have it be like a certain rating? Because I have like kind of torn about it because like a you're making you're not making your true work that you want to make and then people argue it's like well if you if you don't do that then people are going to watch it but then my argument is if you make it rated r then more people are going to watch it because it's not nc-17 so it's yeah. like it's like they really need to fix the rating system it's complete bullshit i agree I mean, does the rating system, I mean, in the streaming, I feel like the streaming age has made the rating system not matter as much anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's hard, it's hard yeah. too for theatrical releases, Still. though, especially to like to make money. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I guess the next and, and last question about uh, Eyes Wide Shut. Um, has the film aged well? Why or why not? Yes, because I was going to mention earlier, uh, my only thing about last thing about this movie is a lot of people with the unfortunate death of Stanley Kubrick, they uh, feel like they meaning a lot of like just people just thinking about the movie. They don't believe like the cut of this movie was Stanley Kubrick's intention. Of, of how he wanted to cut it. Because Stanley Kubrick in the past, he was known for being in like the editing room hours before the movie would release, World uh, Worldwide. And the fact that he died like couple, like at least four months before the movie actually released, they think that there's like a lot of studio interference with the movie and that just the movie wasn't wasn't Stanley Kubrick's true version. But then there's those who actually say, oh no, this is actually Stanley Kubrick's true version because he actually, this is actually based off a novella. I don't know if you guys know. Um, like a oh short, yeah, I think yeah. I saw that. It's a novella and apparently Stanley Kubrick bought, nobody knows about it because Stanley Kubrick bought like a bunch of, I think he had like almost all the copies of the novella because he didn't want what? any. He didn't want anybody. To, it took him thirty years. Like he wanted, <laughs> he wanted to adapt this for thirty years. And, wow. Yeah. That is passion. Yeah. So, passion. Uh, <laughs> so that's why that's why they're saying because I actually saw some of the novella and like everything is, they hit all the beats except for like there's like a missing character and of course the end, um, mm -hmm. and the orgy scene is like just a scene of just like masked people but like it's still the same like idea mm. um but i i just think that's interesting that like with that being said people were very torn when the movie initially released because a is a stanley kubrick film and b he died recently but knowing what we know now and also too there's a bunch of interviews like for instance the writer is out he's an outward uh opponent of this movie he says like this is one of the worst movies he's ever written shitty that the writer 
gets to speak sh- shitty on him, and, he, and Stanley Kubrick can't even throw <laughs> hands, man. Yeah. Like, what an throw asshole. Hands. I'm sure plenty of Kubrick fans are throwing hands for him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's also interesting that he ended what ended up being his last movie, and the last word of his last <laughs> film was fuck. Yeah. We gotta fuck. We gotta yeah. fuck. <laughs> that made me laugh. Yeah. It's like, right. give me a good chuckle. I'm curious what everyone's ratings is would be for this film. I give the overall consensus that we all liked it. Yeah. I, well, I mean, I'll start. I think I would give it a four or four and a half. No less, no, no less than a four. Yeah, I'm a four, and I would definitely recommend it to other people, and I would be down to rewatch it as well. I am a four stars out of five as well, and I am in the same sentiment as Zareen. Four stars all the way. Look at that! Our four stars gave four stars! Whoa! Awesome. So, question time. Um, okay, so uh, my my other question for you all today is, what are your thoughts on the Barbie trailer? If you if you have seen it, that's coming out in this, this summer, summer isn't I think, it? in July. Oh yeah, maybe. Anyway. I fucking love it. I'm so excited for this movie. It's gonna be great. I it has an insanely stacked cast and I'm very hyped to see all the characters in it. Honestly, I I don't even really know what the plot is about or what's going to happen in the movie, but I there's just so much hype around this movie. I'm very excited. Um the one specific thing I'll note from the trailer is that I love that opening shot where like Barbie takes off her shoes and then her feet are still like oh my God, her feet on her stay. tiptoes. Yeah, that was epic. Oh, chef's kiss. Beautiful detail. That was a beautiful detail because it's just like, I wouldn't have personally noticed if she landed flat-footed. At least for me, personally. Like, I would have been like, oh, that's not what Barbies do. When they did that, I was like, oh my god! I was like, that's "That's what Barbies do! Yeah. (laughs) They're on their tippy-toes. No, but I'm super excited for that movie. I think it'll be a fun time. It looks fun and like entertaining, and the way it's kind of like shot, again, the sense it's like very vibrant, but it also seems like very plastic. I don't know how to like, at least from what I saw from the trailer, it's like real but fake, and it just looks like a great time. And hopefully, it'll just be like entertaining, if anything. I think. Uh, I mean, I'm ready. Uh... Oh yeah, Jared loves awesome. Ryan Gosling. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's he's uh, great. He's great in comedy. Watch the Nice Guys if you haven't already, and I'm glad he's just doing more comedy. So, I mean, I'll tell you what, I'm ready for that double feature. Going to Barbie first, and then Oppenheimer. It's gonna be a great weekend. Let's go, and it's all coming out on my oh, are birthday they too. Same day. Slay. Yeah. I think they like Oppenheimer like pulled the date, but then they like went back, right? 
Yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of a thing because Barbie is they... Warner Bros. and uh, what's his face? What, who's the who's the direct Nolan? He left Nolan. Warner Bros. He left Warner Bros. for Universal, so it's kind of like a. Mm. But it, it it doesn't make any sense because Barbie's gonna make more money than oh, yeah. Universal. So I hate how like it's like oh Barbie versus Oppenheimer, but no, <laughs> celebrate man. Just go go watch both. Fucking literally. I have one more one more question for you all. Um, what are your thoughts on the uh, the recent trend of every every movie being three hours long? What do you think? I think it's fine as long as the movie's good. Mm-hmm. Too long, I hate it. Yeah, I'm I'm a huge proponent of like like ninety minutes, ninety minute movies. Um, usually I end up being okay for three hour movies, but sometimes when you're just like, fuck, I have like two more hours or days, that's when it's like, well, that's when it kills. Cause you're like, at that point you're like, what? And sometimes you're just like, why, why is it this long? Um, but that's like truly a trend and it's actually hella annoying. Cause also I feel like it's just very, it's just very daunting to people and it, I feel like it kind of turns people off initially. When you look at the time of the movie, and you're like, damn, I have to sit through, like, whatever. In my opinion, the only movie that should be three hours long is Lord of the Rings. That's the only movie that should be three hours long. Yeah, there are, like, so many movies like, I haven't like seen because they're three hours. Because they're long. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And sometimes I feel like it always gives you this... Yeah. Yeah. It, like, like, lowers the barrier. Idea of just, like... You're like, fuck, it's going to be three hours. And it's like, maybe that lowers your expectations. But sometimes I feel like, unfortunately, it confirms that. When you're just like going into a movie with already that attitude of just like, oh, I have to sit through three hours of this. So. Um, But that truly is becoming a trend. And it needs to stop. Just like make the movies for however long you need it to be to tell the story. Don't be trying to fill like fill in three hours of nothing. I I I mean I think the trend of like so many movies being three hours long is is kind of maybe bad for the industry a little bit because like like Zareen pointed out, like less less people are are seeing movies because of it. Like people just don't really have the time to spend three hours watching a movie, so they usually probably choose not to. Um, I've certainly been in that situation where I'm like, okay, I could watch this movie that looks really interesting that I really want to see right now, but uh, it's three hours and nine minutes long, and I really just don't have the time for that. Like, I have things to do. So I think it does deter people away. But I also think, like, I also agree with Jared in the sense that, like, if the film is is good enough, and if the film like genuinely needs to needs the 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 time to like deliver its message and tell its story, and all of that time is being like optimized and used efficiently, and I'm enjoying it, then it's great. I mean, that's just to me. That's just like more, more content more of a good movie right um i think like ultimately as long as i don't feel the time 
right? If it doesn't feel long while I'm watching it, then I don't mind. Like, also, I'll watch, yeah. like, when I saw, I just saw Renfield a couple weeks ago. It was a 90-minute movie, and it did not feel 90 minutes, because it, it felt it felt like two and a half hours long, but it was because it was bad. And there was a lot of, there was a lot of fluff, a lot of unnecessary yeah. scenes and sequences, so. Um, yeah. Movie's good enough. Yeah. Get three hours, I don't care. Make it, make it yeah, worth it. Yeah. Make it worth my time and my money. Yeah. Movie works for me. Who goes first? You can go. Whoever has the more interesting movie pick. We <laughs> <laughs> know that. Okay. Okay, I'll go. All right. Well, we usually play a little like guessing game. So my movie oh, is play. a sports movie. Warrior. No. Any any other guesses? <laughs> Moneyball. No, no. Moneyball. Moneyball was a good one. Great movie. Um, but same sport as Moneyball. Um, little uh, uh, League of Their Own. Uh... Hey, ding ding ding. What you got, Megan? Nice. You redeemed yourself from previous guesses. <laughs> Wait, what did Megan say? League of Their Own. Yeah, that's the one with Tom Hanks, right? Uh, is it? Yeah, I it's, so. it's it's by the girl, right? The girl, the girl is the manager. It's about the all girls uh, baseball uh, okay. league. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Oh, you're right. Tom Hanks is in it. That was my I guess. I was gonna say. Well, the you one said with it Tom too Hanks. late, Jared. <laughs> well, I, mean, I was muted. Name. I was muted. You were not muted. Yeah, you're lost. Discord the entire time. Oh, I was muted. Nope. All right, all right. Megan got first. Jared got second. Good I'm job. Kidding, kidding. <laughs> got third. All right, yeah. all right. Well, that's my pick. Jared with yours. <laughs> my pick is arguably a classic. Any classic. guys? <laughs> <laughs> Too broad. <laughs> Titanic. It, it has. It, no, it has a sequel. Arguably, it has a sequel. Hmm. Kill Bill. That was both movies were made in the two thousands. Oh, a classic from the two thousands. It has it has a star studded cast. Stop! I want to win this game. (laughs) It's a musical. What? Oh 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 oh! I have no idea what this is. It's not Mulan. It's um. Is it the? It's not Moulin Rouge. It's a. Uh, it is Moulin Rouge. No, that's not a musical, is it? But that a doesn't. Musical have to be- it's a musical. It's a musical, but a musical based off original IP. Original IP from a band from S- Sweden. Oh, Mamma Mia! It's no, Mamma no, no, Mia. Wait, oh shit! Okay. I've never <laughs> oh, seen God. it, but I want to watch so it. Happy. Wait, there's a sequel to it. Here we yeah, go that's like again. one of my favorite movies. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mama Mia okay. is on Amazon Prime, two thousand eight. Oh, the second Mama Mia movie changed my life. Oh, so Megan's already seen it. Yes, Megan's already seen it. The I'm assuming. One? Okay. The yeah. second one I've seen. The first one I don't know if I've seen it in full. Oh. But yeah, those are arguably movie a classic. Interesting. <laughs> nice. <laughs> 
But <laughs> yes, so uh, if you guys want to watch uh, Mamma Mia or The League of Their Own before the next podcast, our podcasts come out every month. Uh, currently, we are on Spotify. Uh, what else are we on? Uh, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Uh, we are not on Amazon yet, but we'll get us on Amazon. Uh, but please, even though our podcast is three stars, please give us a five-star rating on wherever you watch your podcast or listen to your podcast, I would say. And thank you to yeah. my homie Willis for joining us. Thank you, Willis. Woo! Our first yeah, Willis. guest. Shout out Willis. Okay, awesome. Mm. Bye bye. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs>